Hey y'all, so good morning, excuse me, scratch that, grand rising to everybody. Uh, first I want to say uh, this envious old crotchety ass decrepit bitch, 5 foot 8 and 230, 240 pounds motherfucker is on my videos downvoting the last four videos I did. So I told you about that lurking, I told you she was the one sending negative energy and last night I had an experience that I'm going to come back and share with you while somebody tried to psychically attack me. Okay. Somebody tried to hit me, but they hit me um, after I had already been debriefed. So they didn't, they weren't able to get into my mind because that's what they tried to do. They tried to get into my mind through my left eye, which is the psychic, excuse me, or intake side. The left side is the intake side. The right side is the uh, giving or output side they tried to get into my mind but they were blocked okay we are women like me are universal mother embodied so you can try to get in you can try to brain pick you can try to you know get in and see what i see but you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to and so um i just want to put that out there uh, this particular individual that I recently addressed, I don't believe the attack came from her. I believe it could have come from somebody she got to do it, or it could have come from another person who um, is a secret hater, or it could have come from another individual. But I'm not worried about who it came from um, because I was woke up at 4.33 and I've been waking up at 4.33, 4.22 or 4.44 every day. So Universal Mother... Um, is what and universal father are protecting us so if you want to go up against ashtar command and the galactic council then you go ahead and keep messing with their people and you're going to see what happens to you you know because they're destroying the vampirics and the people who are um alongside them so if you want to go ahead and risk that then that sh that may be your mission that may be your mission to be destroyed uh on the surface of the sun that's on you that's not on me but we're going to go ahead and get into this. First, let me just say this. Kemet or Egypt, in my opinion, uh, is not bad all by itself. You know, there are dimensions to these things. There are dimensions to everything out there. There's good and bad to everything, as you want to call it. Good and bad. You know, the illusion of good and bad. Right. You know, when we talk about a lot of things in the spiritual community you have to consider what is the lesser of two evils you know both can be bad but which is the less bad one <laughs> so when it comes to egyptology you all who have spent years teaching this stuff as if it's the answer to the colonizers religion the uh, the so-called colonizers white people's religion from europe you talk to black people and melanated people as if this is the answer to their prayers because you're saying it's back to our roots and stuff well there's a problem there because they're all together egyptology is considered a religion okay again egyptology is considered a religion now shout out to alexis k tyler she recently said that them she's been in a lot of been around a lot of these pro-black pan-africanist hebrew israelite egyptologist dudes and people and all they want to do is open your ass up and then tell you oh well i'll give you knowledge and i'll give you the keys if you let me fuck you six times a week 
Is that not the same thing as the Roman Catholic Church does to its nuns and the Christian and Catholic women who want to get closer to God? Oh, yeah, you can get closer to God, but you need to go down on me, sister, sister Brown. You go down on me after church this Sunday. You get your ties. You get closer to God. God going to bless you for taking care of your pastor. God is going to bless you for taking care of your priest. Most of you don't know how many nuns have been raped by them priests in the churches. Most of you don't know how many women have been raped and uh, girls have been molested. And or women have had babies for these men running these churches. So see, you Egyptology people are no different. You know better. Now, we don't get into the scholarly study because I don't want to just make this all about my opinion. But I explained to you some inf interesting information about Azazel the other day and how it's tied to the God set. Azazel is what they called a fallen angel. That is from Christian and Judaical religion. So if it's equated to the God set, that means you people in Egyptology and you people in Christianity, are you worshiping the same gods or deities or energies or frequencies, if you will, or programs? Let's just keep it a thousand. We're going to get into the scholarly because I don't want nobody accusing me of not knowing what I'm talking about. Yada, 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 yada. Ancient Egyptian religion was a complex system of polytheistic beliefs, meaning many gods and goddesses. A complex system and rituals that formed an integral part of ancient Egyptian society or Kemetic society. Now, as many of you know, Egypt is a Greek word meaning house of bondage. There is your plainest day indication that y'all motherfuckers ain't free. The word itself means house of bondage. What do you think the church is? It's a cube. It's a square. It's a block. It's a house of bondage. Egyptian religion centered on the Egyptians interactions with many deities believed to be present in and in control of the world. Is this not the same as Christianity? How they teach you that God is in control and the angels and the archangels protect and all of that. Rituals such as prayer and offerings were provided to the gods to gain their favor. Oh, yeah, you pay your tithes and your offerings. And uh, you're going to be blessed. You will reap what you sow. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That's why I called it the storehouse. Formal religious practice in ancient Egyptian religion centered on the pharaohs, the rulers of Egypt, who were believed to possess divine powers by virtue of their positions. Formal religious practice centered on you sitting under your preacher and your pastor and your priest or the pope, the pontiff, the vicar of Christ on the earth, the God incarnate on earth, as he calls himself. who were the rulers of the house of bondage, Egypt, 
who were believed to possess divine powers by virtue of their positions, who were calling themselves prophets and pastors and preachers and, and prophetess and evangelist and minister and deacon and deacon. Deke, as we call it in the South, Deke, Deaconess, who were believed to possess divine power or divine messages by virtue of their positions. They acted as intermediaries between their people and the gods, aka intercessors, intercessory prayer in Christianity. And they were obligated to sustain the gods through rituals and offerings, huh? your blood drinking rituals and your baptism so that they could maintain ma'at, the order of the cosmos, or so that they could keep hell up off of your back, as they say, so that they could keep sin away, as they say. The state dedicated enormous resources, or meaning the state of Egypt, a.k.a. the Roman Catholic Church, Dedicated enormous research resources to religious rituals and the construction of temples, a.k.a. churches. Individuals could interact with the gods for their own purposes, appealing for help through prayer or compelling the gods to act through magic. That's that laying on of hands. That's that dancing ritual. Praise and worship dancing. That goes back to Africa and other many older cultures. That dance to invoke the gods and goddesses or dance to invoke energies. These practices were distinct from but closely linked with the formal rituals and institutions. The popular religious tradition grew more prominent over the course of Egyptian history as the status of the pharaoh declined. Egyptian belief in the afterlife and the importance of funerary practices, huh? That's why they get you to bury your dead because you're serving the same Borg, vampiric, demonic creatures. Is evident in the great efforts made to ensure the survival of their souls after death. Make sure you go to heaven, child, not hell. Make sure you go to heaven through the pearly gates and don't go through uh, to that lick of fire. Uh, yes. Again, Egyptian belief in the afterlife and the importance of funerary practices is evident in the great efforts made to ensure the survival of their souls after death via the provision of tombs, grave goods, and offerings to preserve the bodies and spirits of the deceased. That's why they get you to buy caskets. The religion had its roots in Egypt's prehistory and lasted more than 3,000 years. The details of religious belief changed over time as the importance of particular gods rose and declined and their intricate relationships shifted. At various times, certain gods became preeminent over the others, including the sun god Ra, the creator god Amun, where you get am amen from, and the mother goddess Isis, a.k.a. Um, Yeah, I think Isis is, is pretty damn close to, to Ishtar, but I'm just going to leave that to the side for now because I need to look in on that. For a brief period, the theology promulgated by the pharaoh Akhenaten, a single god, the Aten, replaced the traditional pantheon in Egypt. Ancient Egyptian religion and mythology left behind many writings and monuments along with significant influences on ancient and modern cultures. 
Okay, let me continue on. When the Greeks and the Romans conquered Egypt, When the Greeks and the Romans conquered Egypt, pardon me for the interruption, their religion was influenced by that of Egypt. Ancient pagan beliefs gradually faded and were replaced by the monotheistic or one God religions, a.k.a. Judaism and Christianity and Islam. Today, the majority of the Egyptian population is Muslim with a small minority of Jews and Christians. Like all religions, that of ancient Egypt was complex. It evolved over the centuries from one that emphasized local deities into a national religion with a smaller number of principal deities. Some theologians think that Egypt was moving towards a excuse me, monotheistic faith in a single creator that was symbolized by the sun god Ra, but there was no single belief system. The Egyptians actually shared a common understanding about the creation of the world, and the possibility of reverting to chaos if the destructive forces of the universe were unleashed. This is called, and I will link this in the box, Reinventing Religion, Ancient Egypt in the European History of Religion by the Center for the Study of World Religions, harvard.edu, dated May 10, 2014. It says, as the study of religion moved into the domain of cultural studies, there came a shift in the subjects of research. Scholars no longer focused solely on so-called world religions, but also looked at the interplay between religion and culture in a broader sense. In 1993, in a 1993 article on the paradigm of European history of religion, Burkhard Gladigal shift called this shift a vertical transfer. Okay, before I go further in this article... I need to tell you that Egyptology is also tied to Satanism. That's why they like to harvest the organs. And that's why they did blood sacrifice. Because Judaism is tied to Satanism and so is Christianity. So is Islam. Continuing. By using this term, Gladigal addressed the exchange between different systems of meaning, such as literature, science, or technology. This approach is based on the assumption that religion appears not only in the well-known classical sense, but also in different cultural systems of meaning, each having its own hermeneutic pattern. Okay. And of course, hermeneutic is a method or theory of interpretation. The academic discipline of the study of religion during the past 20 years has demonstrated the sustainability of such an approach. In the history of religion in Europe, Listen carefully. Quote unquote, religion could be located not only in terms of an institutionalized, mainly Christian religion, but in other systems of meanings and media as well. Moreover, if the paradigm of a European history of religion is combined with a discursive determination, the reinvention of religion through the use of traditional semantics and topi, excuse me, topoi comes into focus. Now, what is topoi? Topoi is the plural form of topos. And topos is a traditional theme or a formula used in literature. 
Taking this as my starting point, point, says the author, here I will examine this process using a prominent example, the reception of ancient Egyptian religion within the history of religion in Europe. Here it is. The reception of ancient Egyptian religion within the history of religion in Europe, meaning they're tied together. It's intertwined. So all you pro-blacks who talk about Egypt and Kemet and that's and, and I'm an Egyptologist or whatever or I ancient I'm, I'm ancient Egyptian religion or whatever it's really a cult and it's a religion you're bound just as bad as the Christians are you're worshiping the same entities with different names it just said in the last portion that I read before I came to this article that the Romans and the Greek took much of their religion from Egypt we all know they were there so the author continues as I hope to demonstrate, ancient Egypt became the focus of attention when a new religious tradition came to be created that was not based on classical Christian religion, but rather on an alternative system of meaning with a comparable or even higher worth. So that's why they want you to believe that it's better. Meaning Egyptology. It says, my essay is divided into three parts. The first provides a brief overview of the reception of Egyptian religion within the history of Europe with a special focus on the Freemasons of the 18th century. Next is a discussion of the use of Egyptian religion in modern Satanism in the 19th and 20th centuries. Did you hear that? It says, next is a discussion of the use of Egyptian religion and modern Satanism in the 19th and 20th centuries. The third part offers some general observations on the function of Egypt in constructing and deconstructing religion from a systematic point of view. So this portion is called Egypt in the 18th century Europe, the Freemasons. The reception of Egyptian religion in 18th century Europe must be seen in two contexts. On the one hand, it was used by a tradition that focused on the specific meaning of the hieroglyphs. This was connected, on the other hand, with the idea that ancient Egypt presented a higher form of religion than Christianity. The ancient historians had already been fascinated by the monuments from ancient Egypt and by the hieroglyphs. Plutarch, who was the Clement of Alexandria, and Diodorus established a tradition of scholarly speculation about Egypt that included inquiries or questions into the deeper meaning of the hieroglyphs without having the ability to read the Egyptian texts themselves. Centuries later, the Jesuit priest Athanasius Kircher, who lived from 1602 to 1680, was to become an important contrib contributor to the subject. His books called Oedipus Egyptiacus from 1654 and Obeliscus Egyptiacus from 1666 peeped that year were significant works on what is called hieroglyphenallegories okay so hieroglyphic allegory is basically or the allegorical interpretation of hieroglyphs with many interesting speculations on the hidden meaning of the hieroglyphs as a special esoteric language. Kircher and his contemporaries, one being Bernard de Montfaucon, 
from who lived from 1655 to 1741 and Anne Claude Philippe de Tubere to excuse me Tubiere um and Comte de Calus Comte de Calus I am not a French speaker I'm that is one of the worst languages that I've ever tried to learn it's not bad but I'm just saying I'm not good at French Comte de Calus who lived from 1692 to 1765 must be seen as representatives of Egyptosophy. Now, have you heard of Theosophy before? That was Aleister Crowley's religion, and we know that he was heavily into Egyptology. He's a Satanist. Okay. I've also told you before that Aleister Crowley, Alistair is a demon. He named himself after a demon, and that Crowley was a demon that was portrayed in Supernatural. The, the show Supernatural with Sam and Dean Winchester, the characters Jensen, Ackles and Jared Padalecki were the two main characters in Supernatural. You can watch episodes of Supernatural on Netflix. So this Egyptosophy and these people must be seen as representatives of that and not as adherents of a historical critical approach, at least in its modern sense. They stand in a tradition that stretches back to the Greek grammarian named Horopolo. In the middle of the 5th century CE, Horopolo wrote two books titled Hieroglyphica or Hieroglyphica in which he coined the term quote-unquote hieroglyphs and provided the definitions that influenced scholarly speculation about ancient Egypt for centuries. Without having any knowledge of the phonetics of the hieroglyphs, Horopolo and his successors believed that the quote-unquote special wisdom of the ancient Egyptians could be found in their esoteric language. The beliefs of the Freemasons of the late 18th century were connected to these ideas, but they were also determined by the thinking of the Enlightenment, capital E, which moved away from the concept of revelation in favor of a so-called natural theology with man as sensible human being at its center. Emmanuel Kant's often quoted, quote, emergence of, human of man from his self-imposed immaturity, end quote, led to new systems of meaning in which ancient Egypt as a place of mysteries came into focus. This was combined with another factor, the distinction between two forms of religion. Already in the first century CE, Flavius Josephus had argued that the idea of the unity of God was found first in Egypt. Did you hear that? Flavius Josephus had argued that the idea of the unity of God, capital G, was found first in Egypt and later transferred to the Israelites through Moses. I told y'all people that y'all Hebrew Israelites, y'all are number one, doing the same thing that the Khazars allegedly do, as you say, the Khazarians. And number two, that Judaism is rooted in Satanism. And I've also told you that Moses was a warlock, that he knew Egyptian magic. It is saying here that Flavius Josephus, who a lot of you Hebrew Israelites love to quote, argued that the unity of God came from Egypt and that it later went to the Israelites through Moses. This reference can be found in the Contra, C-O-N-T-R-A, Apionum, A-P-I-O-N-E-M-2, like Roman numeral 2, dot 168. During the Enlightenment, 
This idea was shaped into the concept of a religio duplex with a general polytheism or many God worship for the people and a specific monotheism or one God worship for the adepts or the experts, the higher minded ones. So the higher minded ones worshiped one God and then the people got to worship many because they were not adepts. The latter was only available in the form of specific esoteric writings, which were the higher hieroglyphs. When the Freemasons identified themselves as heirs of an ancient Egyptian order of priests, they placed themselves within a tradition marked by two motifs, the deeper meaning of the hieroglyphs and the specific wisdom of ancient Egypt. Even though this tradition already included an anti-Christian impetus, the anti-Christian focus only came to the fore when it was combined with a much stronger concept, which was the idea of the Enlightenment. The core idea of the 18th century, that of the individual with sense and sentiment, was nothing less than an emancipation of the human from the assumption of man as sinner, as depicted, for example, by German reformer, reformer Martin Luther, popular image, excuse me, it was nothing less than an emancipation of the human from the assumption of man as being a sinner. That's your original sin concept as depicted, for example, by the German reformer named Martin Luther's popular image of the human soul being like a horse that was being ruled and ridden by God or the devil. So there's your dichotomy there. Either God rules you or the devil rules you. That's what Martin Luther said. But this came from the Freemason influence on the Enlightenment. The dozens of so-called Egyptianized mysteries that were written during the flowering of the Freemasons from the year 1782 to 1787 were written by a concept centered on the human being itself. Within this quote-unquote new religion, ancient Egypt was invoked in two ways. First, by creating a religious practice that had no Christian resonances, and the second, by dressing the quote-unquote new religion in an old robe. The worthiness, of, the worthiness of the new religious concept was expressed in its ancient roots. Consequently, the new religion appeared, in fact, to be an ancient one. Huh? Have mercy, somebody. I told you. Superior to the main European religion of the time, which was Christianity. So the new religion was Freemasonry, a.k.a. Enlightenment, a.k.a. Lightbearer. A.k.a. the Illuminatus, a.k.a. the Illuminati, the Enlightened Ones, the Enlightenment teachers of the 18th century. Here is the portion called Egypt and Modern Satanism. This is why you niggas who are Egyptologies, uh, Egyptologists are not blessed. You worship what you worship and you don't know what a lot of you. Well, I'm here to expose what it is and then snatch back the covers on it. Now you do what you want to do because that's that may be your sole mission. But if you're preaching that it's more righteous than Christianity, you are sorely mistaken. They are one in the same. They both worship a great whore who is evil. 
the influence of Egyptian religion in Europe in the 18th and 19th centuries may be illustrated in many ways. One particular example is the Theosophical Society, founded in 1875 in the United States. So the Theosophical Society is what I was mentioning earlier, Theosophy. Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, from, who lived from 1831 to 1891, who became one of the main figures of Theosophy, tried to find the roots of the idea of spiritual evolution in ancient wisdom traditions such as those of Egypt, Plato, and ancient Hindu sages. In her 1877 book called Isis Unveiled, A Master Key to the Mysteries of Ancient and Modern Science and Theology, end quote, Blavatsky relied on insights from the newly established academic discipline of Egyptology and referenced such works as Richard Lepsius's translation of the Book of the Dead, which was done in 1842, as well as the Papyrus Ebers, which was discovered by George Ebers in 1875. So Blavatsky considered this to be the most ancient book of wisdom and one of the six hermetic books of medicine mentioned by Clement of Alexandria. The example of Blavatsky illustrates that the reception of Egyptian culture was neither a specifically European phenomenon nor one limited to a period in history before the hieroglyphs were ever deciphered. Earlier research on occasion argued that the tradition of this so-called Egyptosophy, which is Egyptology or Egyptian religion mixed with theosophy, came to an end with Jean-Francois Champollion. Jean-Francois Champollion. Even though Champollion's deciphering of the hieroglyphs, which was first documented in his famous 1822 Lettre I M etc., etc., relating to the alphabet of the hieroglyphs and phonetics in French, <laughs> marked the dawn of modern Egyptology, the reclaiming of Egyptian culture and the creation of novel spiritual concepts did not end with founding, excuse me, did not end with the founding of the academic discipline of Egyptology. Again, even though he deciphered the hieroglyphs and this marked the dawn of the modern Egyptology, the reclaiming of Egyptian culture in the creation of novel spiritual concepts did not end with this founding of the academic discipline of Egyptology. Rather, the publication and display of new material from excavations in Egypt and the translations of ancient Egyptian literature were actually used for the same purpose as before 1822, which was to construct new religious traditions by deconstructing an old religion, which was namely Christianity. So all they did was use the same foundation and rebuild up around that. Same foundation of the old temple rebuilt as a church and vice versa the old church rebuilt as an egyptian temple aka freemasonic lodge this observation can be illustrated by one of the more colorful figures of the early 20th century named alistair crowley crowley was born in england where he first encountered john nelson darby's dispensational premillennialism or dispensationalism 
also known as pre-trib rapture teaching. Now, I told you that John Darby invented rapture doctrine in 1830. I told you that I talked about how dispensationalism is false doctrine. It is, um, it's a dangerous teaching and, and I've already addressed that on my channel. So if you want to go to my YouTube channel, you'll see, um, some posts or a video about dispensationalism. Now, after, if Crowley encountered John Darby and John Darby was supposedly a Christian reverend, a Satanist getting together with a so-called Christian reverend who's telling you about a rapture. That tells you that that Christian reverend was motherfucking corrupt. He might not have been so Christian as he seemed. But there are a lot of churches that still teach his doctrine and they don't know that he was in cahoots with Aleister Crowley. After a few years as a member of the British Theosophical Society, Crowley created his own religious system, which he called Thelema, and which, according to him, was based on a revelation. In 1904, while Crowley and his wife were on their honeymoon in Egypt, his wife had a revelation of the god Horus sent through his messenger named Iwas. When Crowley and his wife visited the Egyptian museum, they found Horus on an ancient Egyptian stele with the number 666. So people like Enoch, the freestyle prince who say 777 and they call themselves Horus and Heru, You've been exposed as 666 the beast, really, or repping the beast system. See, I told you that these black conscious people were corrupt and they were they had been taken over a long time ago. I told you that, right? OK, it said that Horus has an ancient Egyptian stele with the number 666. So why are you calling yourself 777? But, you know, you don't need to answer that question. That's for you to figure out for yourself. I'm not hating. I'm just telling you what's up. I'm just showing you the duplicity in the black so-called conscious community. They got you worshiping 666, so what's still called the beast. Because Aleister Crowley called himself the great beast and Horus was the one that he said appeared to him. In Crowley's own report, this God so-called dictated to him the book of the law, which is called the Liber Alvel Legis or Legis, which was to be the theoretical foundation of Crowley's new religion, which was Thelema. Crowley's followers came to call the Egyptian stele the quote-unquote stele of revealing, aka the book of revelations. I'm telling you that, that's not written here. Even though it was in fact a Theban, meaning from Thebes, Egypt, funeral stele from the middle of the first millennium BCE, which was from the 25th and the 26th dynasties. Furthermore, the stele does not contain the number 666. This was simply the catalog number from the former museum in Bulak, where the stele had first been displayed after being excavated from the mortuary temple of Queen Hatshepsut in Dyer El Bahari by the French Egyptologist Auguste Mariette. Isis is Ishtar, is the great whore of Babylon, is Ashtaroth, is Astarte, is Ashira, is Semiramis. So if she's the great whore of Babylon, what is her son Horus? Rhetorical question. With the lemma, Crowley developed a system of meaning with the human being 
at the center, as can be seen in two core statements from the book of the law, quote, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, end quote, and that, quote, every man and woman is a star, end quote. In formulating his religious system, Crowley made systematic use of the ancient Egyptian religion. Deities such as Nuit, who was the Egyptian goddess Nut, or Rahor Kuit, who was the god Rahorakite, or Kiti, or I don't, I guess that would be pronounced Rahoraketi, are mentioned in his book. Interestingly enough, the Lama, though also a religion focused on the human being, drew on a different tradition than in the Freemasons. Whereas the Freemasons focused on humans' positive abilities, Crowley referred to their negative potential, postulating that dark energy existed in humans and in all living things. Although Aleister Crowley could hardly be called a Satanist, that is a lie. He was a Satanist. He and his, you got to be aware that Harvard and a lot of these universities are, they have huge, huge fraternities that are rooted in Satanism. So they don't want to call him a Satanist. Probably because this writer is a Mason or likes Aleister Crowley. Because he was a Satanist. He admitted that he was a great beast. It says, although Aleister Crowley could hardly be called a Satanist, which is a lie, he and his religion, the Lemma, can be placed within the tradition of Satanism. So see, you see how that disinformation is in there? You're not calling him a Satanist, but you said he and his religion can be placed within the tradition of Satanism. That would by default technically make him a Satanist. See, you have to catch these lies. You have to, your discernment has to be real, real sharp because you'll catch lies like this. This is confusion. It says it was the famous Marquis de, Marquis de Chade from 1740 to 1814. He lived and he, pub, he established a philosophical system based primarily on the assumption of evil as an autonomous vital force. According to him, Satan has no specific role, though evil as and autonomous principle does. The Sade's Satanism is mainly linked with sexual obsession, which made it popular, but it also is the start of a tra trajectory that continued through the first decades of the 20th century and Aleister Crowley up to recent American Satanism. So, De Sade went from Aleister Crowley's Dilemma which is rooted in Satanism up to modern American Satanism significantly. And I'm going to include Afro Satanism in there too. Significantly, the American form of Satanism makes substantial use of ancient Egyptian religion, as can be seen in a recent American Satanic movement called the Temple of Set. I told you, <laughs> I told you in the beginning that I compared Azazel to Set and he's the same. So that's there's your other indication that Christianity and Satanism and Egyptology are all together. Freemasonry too. Michael A. Aquino founded the Temple of Set in 1975. Since the late 1960s, Aquino or Aquino had been a member of the Church of Satan, a highly prominent satanic group that became popular because of its connections with Hollywood, aka Pan's Labyrinth. I'm telling you that that's not written here. After leaving the Church of Satan, Aquino founded his own satanic religion. 
According to Aquino on the summer solstice, which is June 21st of 1975, which I've already said in my astronomical forecast video on my YouTube, that there is going to be an eclipse that day. The Prince of Darkness, as he calls it, appeared to him as the deity Set, who declared that he wanted to be worshipped by his original name Set, which had become obsolete as humans had come to know him as Satan and Lucifer. Set had already revealed himself to the ancient Egyptians, but while the priesthood of the god Osiris knew a quote-unquote book of the dead, Set now wanted to so-called reveal a quote-unquote book of life. Based on this ideology, Michael Aquino named the new organization the Temple of the God Set, where the temple refers to not a building but to the human being itself as a vessel for the personal conception or birth of Satan. Don Webb, who was a high priest in the organization from 1993 to 2002, has explained this concept as follows, quote, The Temple of Set is a left-hand path organization. It reveres the psyche and seeks its unification, empowerment, and isolation from the cosmos, both in the world of becoming and in the afterlife. Its philosophy and practice are a remanifestation of the ancient priesthood of Set and are encoded in Sheper, spelled X-E-P-E-R, which is a transpersonal principle that is best translated into English as, quote, I have come into being, and this referred to the re the realization of potentials within the self and possesses the only ontology recognized by the temple of set and is the root of our metaphysics we see the possibilities for our self-development arising out of gift from the prince of darkness and our reciprocal responsibility is to become a suitable companion for him end quote a deeper look at the main scripture of the temple of set which is the book of coming forth by night illustrates the importance of ancient egypt Aquino wrote a full chapter on Egyptian religion, referring to such Egyptological publications as Ernst A. Wallace Budge's translation of the Book of the Dead and George Hart's editive volume, The Dictionary of Egyptian Gods and Goddesses, as well as Raymond O. Faulkner's translation of the Pyramid Text. Aquino also represents, excuse me, presents an interpretation of Aleister Crowley's book of the law arguing that it was actually the god set who revealed himself to crowley and not horse hmm. interesting right <laughs> if we consider the temple of set and its concepts from a more systematic perspective two interesting observations can be made first it is possible to trace how a new religion is created through the use of topoi or themes in literature from a non-christian religion and as a rather young religion, the Temple of Set attempts to establish the worthiness of its doctrine by making a connection to an older system of reference, which is the ancient Egypt or ancient Egypt and the god Set, who had revealed himself to the Egyptians and was known under the names Satan and Lucifer before wanting to be worshipped again by his original name. So they've taught you about Satan and Lucifer in its set. There's your other connection that Egyptology, excuse me, Egyptian religion is the same as Christianity. The new religion appears to be an ancient one and more importantly, a religion that predates.
Judaism and Christianity. I was just getting a thought right quick. Sorry about the pause. A religion that predates Judaism and Christianity. Second, wait a minute, anti, anti, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, continuing. Second, the recourse to ancient Egypt opens up the possibility of constructing a form of religion without Christian associations. So this part is called constructing religion and it's almost done. The function of ancient Egypt in modern history of religion. It's, the author says, it was not my aim here to give a comprehensive overview of the reception of Egyptian religion within the history of religions, even though out of necessity I could only mention particular case studies, it is still possible to make some general observations based on these examples. Within the modern history of religions, ancient Egypt serves primarily as a place of projection. Egypt becomes a focal point in systems of meaning that have virtually nothing to do with historical Egypt. The examples mentioned here illustrate in many ways that these authors, whether the Freemasons or persons such as Aleister Crowley, Helena Blavatsky, or Michael Aquino, were not interested in the Egypt of the pharaohs. Even though Helena Blavatsky and Michael Aquino quoted from modern Egyptological literature, their primary interest was to make the connection between Egypt and their so-called new theoretical systems. Within such an approach, ancient Egyptian religion is co-opted for a new purpose. From a more theoretical perspective, what can be seen is a reinvention of religion. Through the use of traditional semantics and themes in literature, wherein ancient Egypt was used in two different ways. Ancient Egyptian religion became relevant in modern religious history when religious actors sought to describe a new system of meaning that first marks itself off from classical Christian religion, but second claims historical dignity. Even though the anti-Christian impulse of the so-called autarkic Satanism of the late 20th century is evident only on an implicit level. Both the concepts of Aleister Crowley and those of Michael Aquino, who are both Satanists, are tied to the history of Western esotericism, a tradition that stands in tension with a European history of religion dominated by Christianity. Ancient Egypt seems to present an ideal collection of liter literary themes, or topoi, which can be used by these quote-unquote new religious systems of meaning that are driven by two ideas. One, a distinct differenti differentiation from traditional Christian religion and the belief in a so-called special wisdom that was found for the first time in Egypt. And then, as Helena Blavatsky argued, was also found in other areas such as ancient Greece and in India. Interestingly enough, acknowledgement of this tradition of the so-called special wisdom of Egypt can already be found in the Holy Scriptures of precisely the religion that was deconstructed by the use of Egyptian religion in modern religious history, Christianity. Do I need to read that again? I think I need to read that again. Interestingly enough, acknowledgement of this tradition of this so-called special wisdom of these comedic teachers or of Egypt can already be found in the holy scriptures of precisely the religion that was torn down or deconstructed by the use of Egyptian religion in modern 
religious history and the use of Egyptian religion in modern religious history is Christianity. In the Acts of the Apostles, it is written, quote, so Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and became a man with power both in his speech and in his actions. Have mercy, end quote. Book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 22, from the New Jerusalem Bible. This short statement about Moses and Egyptian wisdom was to become one of the most important literary themes for the reception of Egyptian religion and culture within the European tradition, within the Roman Catholic Church, in other words. Moreover, on a deeper level, this very verse already anticipates the later function of Egypt in the history of religion, which is to deconstruct Christianity by referring to a religious paradigm that is older and so-called higher than Christianity. That's why I said before I read this article that they want to tell you that it's better than a white man's religion when it's the motherfucking same it was built off of the white man's religion. End of article. This article was written by Burned U. Shipper, who with that last name is probably Jewish. That name is probably Jewish. References are in the bottom of the article. Again, this was from the Center for the Study of World Religions, Harvard Divinity School, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Copyright 2020, President and Fellows of Harvard College, all rights reserved. My commentary is my own. This is used under the U.S. 1976 U.S. Copyright Act, uh, which disclaimer will be in a box about fair use. You've heard the proof from the Harvard <laughs> Divinity School that they tore down Christianity in order to build Egyptology or Egyptian religion. Now, Egyptology is the academic study of Egypt. However, Egyptian religion and Christianity are one in the same, even according to the book of Acts. I told you all that in the Old Testament, Moses was showing off his Egyptian magic by throwing his rod down and turning it into a snake and striking the rock and, and causing water to come from the rock. And I told you that he was nothing but a motherfucking Gandalf from Lord of the Rings with that staff. I told you he was a warlock. Y'all didn't believe me because you thought I, it was just opinion. You probably believe some of the Freemasons that told you, but I'm telling you, based on scholarly research, that's what he was. Let me read that portion again, because see, you, I, I know I'm going to have some people out here mad about this. Go argue with this scholar. Email him and, and get in his inbox if you got a problem. In the Acts of the Apostles, it is written, quote, So Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and became a man with power, both in his speech and in his action. Acts 7 and 22. This short statement about Moses and Egyptian wisdom was to become one of the most important topoi or literary themes for the reception of Egyptian religion and culture within the European tradition, a.k.a. Roman Catholic Church, a.k.a. Christianity. Moreover, on a deeper level, this verse already anticipates the latter function of Egypt in the history of religion, which was to deconstruct Christianity by referring to 
a religious paradigm that is older as well as higher than Christianity. And that so-called older and higher uh, paradigm that they're referring to is Egyptian religion, a.k.a. Egyptology. So y'all are no better. <laughs>